you have your Bibles, now open them to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Tonight we're back at it again, back looking at the 30 sayings as recorded in the book of Proverbs. Now I was thinking about this this afternoon. I wonder how many times I say, just lay it out plain or just make it simple or just, just tell me straight up. That's what I need, that's what I like. Well, in these 30 sayings, that's exactly what God is doing. Think about this. He has narrowed off, sectioned off these 30 sayings. And he's saying, this is what you need to know. This is what is important. 30 things. And if you want to honor me, or if you want to walk with me, or if you want to bring glory to my name, if you want to be blessed in life, then this is what you need to know. So here are the 30 sayings for us tonight. We're going to pick back up tonight with the 10th saying. The 10th saying is found in verses, chapter 23, verses 10 and 11. All right, here we go. Do not move the ancient boundary or go into the fields of the fatherless, for their redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. Now, we've looked at something very similar to this already. Do not move the ancient boundary or go into the fields of the fatherless, for their redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. Now see the picture again in these days, the boundaries, the ownership boundaries were marked with stones or markers. There were no fancy surveyors to call with their equipment. There was no GPS to set corner points and borders were marked with usually stones. Well, to move them was to actually steal someone's land. That seems like a small thing, but if you move the markers of the boundary, you're stealing someone's land. Now, I want you to picture this. There's no one around. You're probably out in the middle of nowhere. No one is looking, and you move the marker. And as you move the marker, you're changing the border, and you are gaining land. You're taking away from their land and adding it to your own land. Now, usually if you think about this, the owner would know where the border was. That, that guy, he would work in the field. He was out there very often. He would know where the border was, where the boundary was. But now he has died, and now the land is transferred to his widow or to his orphan kids. And perhaps they do not know where the border was. They do not know where the boundary was. And so this person comes along and they're not just stealing the lamb, but they are taking advantage of the widow or the orphan. Here they come. They're pretty sure they're not going to ever know this happened. They're not familiar with the boundary line. And so they move the marker, move the stone, and they take advantage of them stealing their lamb. Well, the command for us as people that would follow God, the command is this, do not do that. Get this tonight. As followers of Jesus Christ, our lives should be known for and marked by honesty, fairness, and integrity. In fact, the New Testament says that we should even avoid the hint of impropriety. That's what the Bible says. As followers of Christ, we ought to be known for honesty, for integrity, for fairness. There shouldn't even be a speculation about some impropriety. Now listen, the world doesn't care about that. Have you noticed that? 
world doesn't care about that. The world actually says, fudge on that. It's okay. The world wants you to compromise here, wants you to bend here, because it makes them feel better when they've also done it. And so, you know, we don't expect business to be straight. We expect people to falsify things and to change things and to over-represent things. And the world doesn't care about that. Well, as followers of Christ, as God's people, we speak the truth. We operate honestly. We do not cheat if you're a student on a test, if you're, if you're an adult in business, but not cheat on deals. We operate in integrity. Now, why is that? Why does that matter? It is because that is the nature of our God that we're professing to follow. That it, it, it is the heart of God. And so listen, the reason it matters, the reason we do that is because we are imitating him. But more than that, it's because we are carrying his name. It's because we are a reflection of him. I used to know a guy and he would say, you know, the person to never do business with is a Baptist deacon. And I, I don't know where he got that from, but that was his experience. You know what? If you're going to do business with somebody, don't do business with a Baptist deacon. We need to understand, listen, I'm not talking about deacons. Evidently he was. But we got to remember, we carry the name of our God. We carry the name of our Savior. And how we interact with people absolutely reflects on him. Now, the verse goes on and it says, for their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. For their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. Now, what this means is God sees what you thought nobody saw. God knows what you did. And the verse is actually saying God will exact justice. God will carry out justice. Very simply, God will settle the score. Now, the Bible tells us in the Old Testament and the New Testament as well, God repays evil. That's what God says. Now, I thought about that. I don't think we actually believe that. God repay. God sees, and he's telling us here, he repays evil. I don't know. Well, maybe he doesn't care. Well, maybe he's so forgiven he's not going to worry about it. I don't think we believe that, or we'd be exceedingly careful and how we do business, how we treat others, how we speak truth. God doesn't need proof. He doesn't need an investigator or an investigation. He doesn't need a judge or a jury. He himself, that's what the verse is saying, he will handle the case himself. Integrity matters. Honesty matters. Have you noticed today that is missing from our culture? Honesty matters. Integrity matters. That is missing from our culture. It is expected that you would cheat, that people would cheat, that people would lie. It's no big deal in our culture. Here's what God says. One of my 30 things is this. Operate in integrity and honesty. It absolutely matters. Do not move the ancient boundary or go into the fields of the fatherless. For their Redeemer is strong, he will plead their case against you. All right, next we're going to look at the 11th saying. It is found in verse 12. The 11th saying of the 30 is found in verse 12. Go with me to verse 12. Apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. One verse, very simple. 
apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. Now, here is the directing of God. Here's what God says. Now, I'm a Baptist preacher, so I'm an expert in making things rhyme. And so here's what he says. Grow in what you know. That's what the verse says. That's what it means. Grow in what you know. Now, what that means is this. Use your mind. Learn. Think. Consider. Read. Study. Listen. Discuss. Learn. And then live by that knowledge. You want to know what that verse means? That's what it means. Grow in what you know. Learn. Think. Discuss. Study. And then live. Discipline yourself to live according to what you've learned. I've never been so convinced of this as I am in the last few years. And I, I don't know if we're just plodding along, but here's what I believe, and I see it clearly in the last few years. Here's the truth. Satan wants our minds. Satan wants our minds. Satan wants to rob us of our minds. That's what I believe. He wants to rob us of our minds. Satan wants us to not think. Satan wants us to not consider. Satan wants us to not listen, to not learn. He wants us to be lazy in the use of our brains. Look at our world. And I think about the world our kids are growing up in and how fast things are changing, the world that we're existing in. Look at our world. We stare at screens I, I was looking, somebody says you can go on this deal and it tells you how much your screen time is. Did you know four to five hours is good? That's not much screen time. Did you know it's okay to hit nine hours, 10 hours, 14 hours? We're spending 14 hours looking at things on screens. We do mindless things for entertainment. We want to just stare at something. We just want to watch something. Think about this. We've got calculators now. We don't even have to have you work out the problem. You can use your calculator so we can't do simple math. We've got spell checking. I'm talking about myself, and so we can't spell any longer. We've got contacts in our phones. We don't remember anybody's number. I barely know Carrie's number anymore. We'll just scroll until we hit the contact. We text each other. Think about that. We don't even have to talk. We don't have to use inflection. We don't have to say words that carry meaning. We can just text somebody. And I'll just tell you, in our day, with all of the advancements, we're becoming very dumb. I'm sorry if that offends you, but we're becoming dumb. We're becoming mindless. We're becoming thoughtless in our culture. I was reading this about a month or two ago. The ACT, the college entrance test, take the ACT, you have a, you have a score, you place, and that decides what college you can get into, how much scholarship you'll get when you go there. I was reading this, the ACT, the new version coming out, is, man, look at all the technology, look at all the things we have. It is easier than it's ever been. Well, man, I thought that was hard in 1987. It is easier than it's ever been. So listen, so because it is easier than it's ever been, the article said this, the SAT is losing ground. Since they make money by people taking their tests, they're paying to take the easier test. And so I could take the SAT or the ACT is now easier. I want to take my money and take the ACT. So they are losing ground. The study, the article said this, so the next version of the SAT, what's it going to be? 
the easiest SAT ever produced. We are becoming consistently dumber in our culture. Satan is robbing us of our minds, of our ability to think. Now you say, why is that? Why is that? Here's why. Because if he gets our minds, it won't be long and he'll have our hearts. And that's the truth. If Satan can get your mind, if he can feel things in your mind, if he can numb out your mind, it won't be long until he has our hearts. I want to tell you one of the, one of the weird things as a preacher is I come and you know what? I, I don't have Ferris wheels. I don't have things I can shoot out of cannons. I have words. That's all I have is words. And it's weird to preach to a culture that words mean less and less. You know, we used to have sermons without screens. We used to have church that lasted an hour and a half, two hours in the service alone. Satan is numbing us, robbing us of our minds. Folks, here's the command. Take seriously the brain that God has given you. And you ought to fill it, and you ought to stretch it, and you ought to use it. And I want to tell you, most importantly, with the word of God. Fill your mind with the word of God. Study the word of God. Know the word of God. And then in discipline, live it out. Put it to use. Apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. All right, moving to the 12th saying. The 12th saying is found in verses 13 and 14. The 12th saying of the 30 is found in verses 13 and 14. All right, buckle your seatbelt for these. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Shoal. Now, I feel like there's some legal group getting ready to file papers just because I read that. <laughs> Let me read that to you again. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Now that's a hard discussion to have. And I'll just tell you tonight, it is a serious discussion to have tonight. I, I, I know this, this lesson, I'm, the words I'm saying is going out over the internet and I don't know who's going to hear this. I don't know what their interpretation of it's going to be. But you know what? God has spoken to us. Now listen, be sure of this. Hear me tonight. God tells us how to raise our kids. God tells us how to handle our finances. God tells us how to be married. God tells us how to raise our kids. Now I don't know why, but for some reason, we've disconnected what God has said in matters of religion, salvation, from what matters of, of practical use in our homes. And so we say, you know, we'll let somebody else tell us how to raise our kids. We'll let some expert tell us the best way to raise our kids. God tells us how to raise our kids. God tells us how to raise our kids. Now let me say up front right here, this is a serious discussion. I want you to be, be listening, be careful here. I want to say this up front. We do not injure kids. We do not harm kids. We do not scare, intimidate, or frighten kids. We do not belittle kids. We do not demean kids. We do not abuse 
kids. Now listen to me. Those things are of Satan. That's how he operates. That's how he bullies. That's how he deals. Those things are of Satan. Any person who does those things, listen to me, is wrong. And I want to say this. Now, I don't know if I can scream it, but I'm just going to say it as, as, as clearly as I can. And any person that does those things using the Bible to justify it is a sham and is especially evil. And I know people, they come along and they, they abuse their kids and they do things that are unspeakable and they try to go back to some version of some verse in the Bible. Any person that does those things using the Bible as their motivation is especially evil. We do not do those things, now stay with me, but we do discipline our kids. Now this is going to turn into a longer discussion here. We do discipline our, in our kids. In the Bible, the, the biblical directive, parenting is made up mostly of two things, instruction and discipline. You want to know what you're supposed to do as a, as a parent following the word of God? There's two things, instruction and discipline. Instruction is teaching. It is encouraging. It, it is telling what the truth is. It is a positive thing. Then there is disciplining, and it is holding accountable. It is making costly disobedience. Listen to that. It enforces a consequence for rebellion. And so there is instructing, and there is disciplining. That is biblical. Both of those things are biblical. As parents, we are to instruct. As parents, we are to discipline. Listen, and we must do both. We must do both. Instruction without discipline is pointless and it will not work. Now that's been a growing thing since the 70s. We're going to instruct them. We're going to let them figure it out. We'll let them crash into the walls. And when they get hurt, they'll correct themselves. Listen, instruction without discipline is pointless and it will not work. And discipline without instruction is baseless and it will not work. There's folks that say, at my house, we're doing this and we're doing that, and they have a heavy hand. Discipline without instruction is baseless, and it will not work. We are told to do both. Now, here's the issue with this verse. Yet in our day, there is a negative, harsh, mean view attached to discipline. And so a person, they're going to discipline their kids and they're going to try to use the biblical model. And, and our culture has a negative connotation. It is viewed as mean or harsh or, listen to me, or it's too hard for the parent. You know what? It, it, it takes time for the parent. It takes effort for the parent. It takes effort to follow through as the parent. And so discipline has a negative connotation. And so I'll just tell you, look around today. We are reaping a generation, and I might say two and even three generations, that have operated maybe in instruction, maybe not, but for sure without discipline. Look at the world today. No negative consequence. You know what? We'll get that off of you. You won't have to suffer the, the consequence of that. We are reaping the impact of generations who have operated without discipline. Now, I want you to notice here, it's about to get serious. Notice these verses talk about 
what we would call spanking in the modern day, what we would, in our culture today, striking the child with a rod or a stick, we would call it a paddle, maybe if you had a mean grandmother, a switch. The verses are talking about that. Not abuse, listen, not abuse, but spanking. The verses are talking about that. Now, I read a couple places that there's some folks that go to great lengths to say that's not the rod it's talking about. It's the staff of correction and you guide them with the staff. That sounds good, it's not true. It says striking in the verse. It's talking about spanking, not abuse, but spanking. Now I want you to stay with me. The number one deterrent, I wish this place was full of people with young kids right now. The number one deterrent for any activity is pain. Do you know that? The number one deterrent for any, at any age, for any activity, the reality is it is pain. And so if we want to stop an activity, we tie it to pain. It works. Now let me just tell you this. Let me give you an example. You put your hand on a hot stove. You want to do some research tonight, go home, turn the stove on. Put your hand on a hot stove. It will hurt and you will pull your hand off. And I'll bet you this, for most of you, you won't do it again. You won't do it again. You learn your lesson. Pain is the greatest deterrent. Now, there may be somebody tomorrow that says, I'll tell you what, ain't nobody tell me that stove is hot, and I'm a rebel, and no one's ever told me, and you might try it again, but you're going to hurt your hand, burn your hand again. Pain is the greatest deterrent. Spanking is biblical. But listen, it's not without direction. It's not without purpose. Here's what I want to tell you, a couple things here. It must be carried out thoughtfully. It must be carried out thoughtfully. Both parties need to know why it's happening. Both parties need to have thought it through and understand why it is happening. It must be carried out thoughtfully. It must be carried out in love. We have to know the goal. Both parties have to understand this is the best thing. This is the best way to, lo to live. I love you both both parties must understand the goal. It must be carried out in love. Here's one. It must be carried out with consistency. If you do this, you get that. I think that's a big deal today. You do this, we say you're going to do that. We don't give you that. We, I, I've heard it a million times. Oh, you wait till you get home. You get home, we brush our teeth and we watch Matlock and we go to bed. It has to be carried out with consistency. If you do this, it ends in this. Here's another one. It must be carried out calmly. It must be carried out calmly. This is not an anger response. It's not a payback. It's not retribution. It must be carried out calmly. But here's what the Bible says. It must be carried out. Now I'm going to add something to this. I believe the most impactful and the most influential person that can carry it out is the father. That's what I believe. The most influential and the most impactful person to carry this out is the father. I believe there's an added weight to that and I believe there's a greater impact to that. I believe it's best done by the father. Let me tell you this. You can interview him if you want to. My kids have not been spanked many times. It's not a great number of times, but you can ask them. But when they were, they remember when they were spanked. And I'll tell you this, I promise you this, they want to avoid that again at all costs. 
And so, you know, at our house, we weren't somebody that we're going to spank him, and we're going to spank him, we're going to spank him. We're going to spank him, but it's going to be to an extent, and it's going to be serious enough. They're going to say, you know what, I don't want that again. And they start to put their own guardrails in. They want to avoid it. Listen, that is the purpose of it. That is the goal. There is correction, but it's always for restoration with proper behavior as the goal. You know what? This isn't going to be a frequent thing, but when it's a thing, it's going to be a thing. But there's going to be correction and there's going to be restoration after that. And there's going to be proper behavior after that. I want to show you something here. The verse says something very interesting and very strange. It says this. If done, they will not die. That's what the verse says. If done, they will not die. Now, that's how we know we're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about beating our kids, but a painful correction. If done, the Bible says, they will not die. Let me tell you something. I hate spanking my kids. Always have. I hate it. My heart's not built for that. I don't, I don't like any part of it. But the truth is this, they will not die. If it's done, they will not die. Now, here's the crazy thing. But it goes on and it says, if it is not done, verse 14, Shoal is the Old Testament place of death. If it is not done, they will die. Now, that sounds pretty strong, doesn't it? That's pretty tough, isn't it? If you, don't, if you do it, they're not going to die. But if you don't do it, they will die. Listen to me very carefully. If you do not clearly, intentionally, thoughtfully discipline your kids, here's the truth. You are setting them up for trouble. You're setting them up for failure. They're going to live a life where they're always testing the boundaries. They're going to live a life where there are no guidelines or limits, and they are going to end up always in rebellion and sin. Do you see that's the point of all this? They are going to live in a life of rebellion and sin. You are blessing your kids when you discipline them. In fact, the Bible says those that God loves, he disciplines. This is his character. This is what he does for us. Satan comes along and has corrupted this whole idea. And he has led people to abuse their kids, a very evil act. And he's led people in response to not discipline their kids, an act that brings evil. Parents, here's the truth. That's a long discussion to say this. We must follow the Bible. Carefully, thoughtfully, with the heart of Christ, we must follow the Bible. It is our guideline. We must follow the Bible. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike at the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from shoal. We're going to end right there tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. Glad you're here tonight. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Father, we come and we praise you tonight. I'm thankful that you love us. I'm thankful that you're gracious to us. I'm thankful, Lord, that you love us enough to tell us these are the things that, are, that we must take in, that these are the things that facilitate the best way to live in a way that honors you, in a way that pleases you, in a way that puts structure in our homes, in our houses, in a way that leads to another generation that would know you and love you and walk with you. 
Lord, we come in all these. I pray as we've listened that we'd be people of integrity, that we'd be people that operate in honesty. Lord, as, as we hear this about discipline, that we would understand you discipline us, that we would respond wisely. And then in all of these things, that you would be known, that you'd be glorified, and that you'd be honored. Lord, we come and again, we praise you for your care for us, your graciousness shown to us. We're thankful for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, I pray for these that ventured out and came tonight. Bless them tonight. Uplift them tonight. Encourage them tonight. As we go back out, and I don't know what's going to face us this coming week, help us to walk in joy and peace and truth. Help us to be ambassadors of your good news. Lord, we end this Lord's Day by saying, we thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.